0: You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. Are you looking? Well, the disciples were looking. They were looking up. Maybe our interpretation should be, what are you looking at, you knuckleheads? There's nothing up there. You've got a job to do. You've got a really serious job to do. Last Saturday night, I found myself looking up in the middle of the night. But I've got to set it up first. Friday was a really, really long day last week. But it was a really, really good day. So... My brother, Ryan, and his son and my nephew, Garrett, they are big-time walleye fishermen. So I have once again successfully brought fishing or sports into my sermon. And Aubrey and Leanne are like, are you ever going to have a sermon without mentioning fishing or golfing or some type of athletic event? Not yet. So they always call me when the the walleye are biting like crazy and they go, you gotta get to Grand Island, we gotta go fishing. We're hammering them. So I'll try to get out there, make room on my calendar and guess what happens when I go with them? Nothing. They'll usually catch a few but I rarely, rarely catch any keeper walleye. Now the keeper walleye in this lake are between 15 and 20 inches. You can't Keep them if they're under 20. and You can't keep them if they're over 20. So if you keep, if you catch a keeper walleye, man, it is awesome. And does anyone know how good walleye taste? Oh, yeah. So you get pretty excited. And they're, they're just hard to catch. They're not like a bass where you maybe throw a rubber worm or something and you feel a little bite. You just take them home, right? These walleye, they're just picking away and you have to kind of set the hook. And then you can't let up any pressure and you, you can't mess up when you net them. So this is what we gotten into. But remember I said it was a hard day? So last it was Saturday. Okay? Not Friday. Last Saturday, it was cold. It was in the 40s and there was no sunshine and the wind was howling from the north, 25 to 35 miles an hour and we're out there fishing for walleye and we looked like we were a bunch of Eskimos bundled up. For the first 3 hours, no keepers. And I was like, what are we doing out here? And then a miracle happened. I caught a keeper. And then I caught a second keeper. Now, you can only keep two in this lake, so we could keep a grand total of six keeper walleye. Then I caught a third keeper. And then I caught a fourth keeper. You know where this is going and then I caught a fifth keeper, and I caught a sixth keeper, and my brother and my nephew didn't catch a single keeper. And I even have proof. Look at this. Six keeper walleye. And I'm telling you, they tasted good. But my day wasn't over. The weather cleared up a little bit. We got back to Caro, which is where my nephew lives, and he's the manager and operator of Centuri Hills Golf Course. So guess what I did that evening? I got 11 holes in. <laughs> then it was time to get to Grand Island. My sister-in-law, Karen, made a marvelous lasagna supper for us. And it was about 10 o'clock before I left Grand Island, and I was tired. I was doing everything. You ever driven when you can't even keep your eyes open? So I'm eating peanut m and M, singing songs, trying to stay awake. Got home about midnight, took a shower. By the time I got to bed, it was 1 o'clock in the morning. You would think I'd fall straight, straight asleep, but I didn't. I was kind of wound up just from trying to stay awake. So I finally got to sleep. Unfortunately, I was awoken by something at 2.30 in the morning. Beep, beep, beep. It's like, what was that? Beep, beep, beep. Why do smoke detectors always malfunction in the middle of the night? Okay, so it was the highest ceiling we have in the house, so I had to get a ladder, all this stuff. Okay, get up there. Miraculously found a battery in the junk drawer. Put a battery in, close it up. We're all good, right? Then you're just waiting, right? Please don't beep. And it didn't. Went back to bed. Had a hard time getting back to sleep finally probably got to sleep maybe at 3:30 or so beep 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 you've got to be kidding me it's obviously not the battery so i googled 3 beeps smoke detectors you don't replace the battery after 3 beeps you replace the whole thing one beep is the battery well guess what i didn't have a fresh smoke detector to put to replace it with so now I got to figure out how to get rid of the power source how can I get this thing unplugged well it took me a while but I finally found this little plastic thing pulled it I didn't want to pull all the wires out no I did want to pull all the wires out and I successfully removed the whole thing from its power source and I was pretty happy so I'm holding the smoke detector feeling pretty good about things beep 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 I'm holding a possessed smoke detector. And then I remembered the battery. I just replaced the battery. Of course it still works. So I took the battery out, and now we're ready to roll. Now we're ready to roll. Put everything, well, actually, it still looks like that. (laughs) Still have to get a new one. So how how do we connect a smoke detector that's unplugged now with no power to the disciples looking up? Well, let's give it a try. You see, without a power source, that smoke detector is useless. It does not do what it's created to do. That's potentially very dangerous and catastrophic, isn't it? So, what are we created to do? Well, two weeks ago, we talked about certainly one thing we were created to do, Psalm 148. Who remembers? Praise the Lord. You guys don't have very good memories. Praise the Lord. That was one of the things that God wants us to do. He created us to praise him. But Jesus had something else on his heart the day that he ascended to heaven. He gave the disciples the great commission. Well, let's go back and look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Did you hear that? To the end of the earth. No wonder the angels were a little bit perturbed with these the disciples. They're sitting there just gawking up at the sky when Jesus said, you got a big job. you got to go tell everybody about me. But don't we have a serious job too? We certainly do. The Great Commission wasn't just for the disciples. The Great Commission was for all believers. It was for all of us. It was for you. It was for me. Matthew records the ascension a little bit differently. Three together Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to 20. We read, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, there you have it. There's the power source. Did you catch where the power source is? Look at the, look at the last line. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's our power source. Our power source is Jesus. Jesus is always with us. His power and might come from His Word and the Spirit. The same Spirit that we were baptized into, right? The same Holy Spirit that we're going to celebrate and talk about next week when we celebrate uh, Pentecost. Same Holy Spirit. The Word is Jesus. He's right here with us. He's been with us since the beginning, don't you know? And he'll be with us to the very end. Let's read John 1, 1 to 2. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. See, there's proof. But what's even cooler, if you've ever done this before... So John says Jesus is the word, right? Have you ever substituted Jesus in for the word in, this, in these verses? Let's do that. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. Wow! That is awesome stuff. Do you see why the angels... We're trying to get the disciples rolling on the Great Commission. Quit looking up there, you dingbats. You've got work to do. The angels knew the word had become flesh and the, the word had dwelt among us. The light of the world needed to be shared. That's the last thing that Jesus had on his heart before he went to be with his father. Yes, yes. That's a wonderful thing to think about this morning, but it also leads to some very challenging questions for us as well. Telling the world about Jesus is quite the responsibility, don't you think? His last command should be our first concern. Take a look at that statement. It is important. It's a matter of eternal life or a eternal death his last command should be our first concern but for us to effectively do our part well we have to be plugged in we have to be plugged in a smoke detector doesn't work without a power source so if Jesus is our power source how do we stay plugged in Here's some challenging questions for us. Are you plugged in? How are you plugged in? When are you plugged in? How serious are you about being plugged in? So, guess what? We're all plugged in this morning, aren't we? We're worshiping. We're hearing the word of God. We're plugged in. But what about the rest of your weeks? Are you plugged in the rest of the week? If you are, how are you plugged in? And if you're not sure if you're plugged in, if you're not sure how you can get plugged in, well, let's take a peek and maybe think through it a little bit. You can come up with a little game plan this morning. So one way you can be plugged in is doing what we're doing right now. Worshipping. Okay? Worship life. Every weekend you have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to worship him, to serve him. During Advent and Lent, we have Wednesday nights to also worship him. How about your devotional life? Does anyone read uh, Portals of Prayer? I see some hands up. I never, ever remember a single night that my mom did not finish her day. Well, first she had to watch Johnny Carson. Then it was David Letterman. And then it kind of went off the rails, you know. but, But after about 11.30 at night, every night, she got her portals of prayer out every single night. And she read the Bible verses that went along with it. That was her devotional time. When is your devotional time? Your devotional time is between you and God. But you've got to make time for it. What does that look like? There's so many opportunities. You know how many opportunities you can devote? Just pull your phone out, boom. The one I use is Lutheran Hour Ministries. So does Ray. Devotion. And they also have a Bible reading in a year down below, which I have been doing. Cherry's doing it. But it's different for everyone. But it's important that you devote time to God. How about your prayer life? Do you pray before you eat? Probably. Maybe, Maybe when you get up. Probably when you go to bed. You probably also fall asleep sometimes when you're saying your prayers at night, don't you? But do you pray for more than just yourself? Have you ever made a prayer list? How many times have you said to somebody, I'll make sure I pray for you, and you don't because you're not purposeful about it? Well, maybe you need to have a list. Maybe you have it right here. You can put a list on a Google Doc or something like that. So when you tell somebody, I'm going to pray for you, get it in there. How's your prayer life? Bible study. Bible study. One of the things that, uh, that we really want to focus on moving forward in the fall is how can we get more of our congregational members into God's Word and Bible study. What meets their needs? What do people want to study? In our life groups that we, that we got rolling last October-ish, uh, there was always Bible study that went with it. There were Bible verses. And we ended up with about, well, that was the being challenged. you remember the being Challenge, And some life groups just studied that. Some of you just studied it on your own. But that developed about seven or eight life groups with about 65 to 70 of our members being active in those. And that's an awesome thing because it combined studying God's word and Christian fellowship. Being surrounded by, a, by the body of believers is vital to building up your faith and holding you accountable to your faith. Well, if you're like me, you've got some work to do in these areas. But it's urgent. It's urgent that we get busy in these areas. As you see, Jesus is going to come back the same way that he left. Look at Revelation 1-7. Behold, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. He's, he's coming back. Some Christians thought he was coming back soon, you know, because we, did, we do see the word soon, when it refers to his second coming, it makes me think of that old gospel song. I can't remember who's, who actually wrote or sang it, but it's like, Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the king. But soon hasn't happened yet. But soon can happen this afternoon or soon can happen 2,000 years from now. Are you plugged in? Are you ready for for Christ's second return? We know how to prepare for arrivals. Anyone going to have company this weekend? Company. Guess what I was doing last night cleaning the house. You actually make all the beds, clean the bathrooms, mow the lawn got to get ready for company, right? But we're not always perfect when we get ready for company. We'll never be perfect. Have you ever run out of time and just went, just throw those clothes underneath, underneath the bed? Maybe, maybe the bathroom downstairs didn't get cleaned. Just lock it. We're not perfect. But this is what Jesus does expect. He expects us to be committed, to try, to be committed to being plugged in. Because we're not going to be perfect either. He knows that. But we can't just go through the motions. Jesus wants us to be committed to our faith life in Him. It reminds me, is anyone here from Wednesday morning Bible study? Okay? And we're studying 1 Samuel, right? And this past Wednesday, we studied 1 Samuel 7, just the first four verses. And the the third verse of 1 Samuel 7 is just packed with commitment. But I got to set it up a little bit first. So, Samuel is the priest, he's a judge, he's all kinds of things. Okay? He was the one that that was raised by Eli the priest the miracle baby of Hannah and now he's been raised in the temple at Shiloh and that's where the tabernacle was that's where the the ark of the covenant was but here's the problem when we get to chapter 7 of 1 Samuel the ark has not had a home for 20 years because the dingbats that the Israelites were sometimes, they decided, well, things aren't going very good with our battles with the Philistines. Let's just go grab the Ark of the Covenant, like Indiana Jones or something. And maybe that will help us. Well, God didn't tell them to do that. He told them to, to march around Jericho seven times with the Ark, and that went very well. But that was God's request. They took it upon themselves. And you know what happens when we take it upon ourselves? Not very good things. So the Philistines just absolutely rout the Israelites, and they steal the Ark of the Covenant. Well, miraculously, God gets that Ark back. And if you want to read an awesome story that you didn't learn in Sunday school, read 1 Samuel 6. And if you're a farmer, you'll really appreciate it. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So now they've got the Ark of the Covenant back, but they have no place to put it because Shiloh is totally wiped out. There's no place to put it. The Tabernacle's gone, and so they have this little mini revival. They have a little mini revival, and they're telling Samuel, "We want, we we want to be faithful. We want to come back to the Lord." Let's see what Samuel's response is. This is 20 years after the ark finally comes back. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths and commit yourselves to the Lord. There's the word. Commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. Another word for serve is worship him only. And he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. There's a lot in that one verse. Samuel starts with the word "if." This is not Samuel's first rodeo. He's heard this many times. We'll worship. We'll worship Yahweh, Jehovah. We'll get rid of. We won't. We won't mess with Baal or or the Ashtharists or whatever other gods are around. Dagon was the Philistines' god. He's seen their actions not match their words before, so he said, "If you're serious about this, I'm with you, but." Three things. You need to rid yourselves of the foreign gods, you need to commit yourselves to the Lord, and you need to serve, worship, me only, him only. So how is your commitment going to Jesus? Tough questions this morning. Are foreign gods getting in, in your way? I'm not talking about Baal or the asterisk or Dagon. I'm talking about objects of affection that interfere with our relationship with God. Objects of affection that interfere with our relationship with God. And, and just by themselves, they're really good things. Our family's a good thing, right? Having a house is a good thing. Having a car. Having kids, having grandkids. Fishing, golfing, they're good things but not not when they come before God. So we do have our own foreign gods, don't we? Although God wants us to be committed to him, he also knows we won't be perfect. We're going to stumble, we're going to fall. Sin's pretty powerful. But with that said... I've got great news for you this morning God's grace is enough when we stay plugged in his grace his glorious light will shine as a witness to all of us Paul's message to his buddy Titus he wraps it up perfectly so let's take a look at what Paul wrote to Titus Chapter 2, we're going to begin at verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That's us right now. Waiting for our blessed hope. Just put Jesus there. Waiting for Jesus. The peering of the glory of our God, our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. We can do this. We can love God with all of our heart and all of our minds, but we have to be plugged in. Remember that unplugged smoke detector? That's a potentially dangerous and catastrophic situation, isn't it? But don't you think not being plugged into Jesus is more serious, is more dangerous, is more potentially catastrophic if we're not plugged into Jesus? But thanks be to God, salvation it comes to all through the power of the Holy Spirit who works faith in our hearts and will continue to do so until our final breath. This saving faith is available to all people you and me and our faith is strengthened and we worship him as we devote time to him as we study his word as we worship and pray to him so let's go amen